Hey everyone, welcome to the Big Monday Show. This is the Going in Circles Podcast Network. My name is Charles Simon. My co-host, Mr. Barry Spears, will be with us right after the first break. We have news that's kind of old news at this point, but uh, we're going to talk about what else? Bob Baffert. The uh, official verdict came down from the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission that uh, gave him his penalty and disqualified Medina Spirit, which kind of wasn't that unexpected. Um, we'll talk about the fallout from that, what happens next, and uh, talk about drug testing. and People just don't really... They're, they're just kind of not understanding the complications of drug testing and, and how it's not an easy thing to do and why it sometimes uh, can't just, we can't just do this or can't just do that. There's there's a lot of different variables, but we'll talk about some of those and uh, a little bit about the Santa Anita situation with the turf and uh, Barry, we get Barry's take on that and, um, you know, the usual. Well, thanks for listening and uh We'll be back here in just about a minute and 23 seconds. Hey guys, I wanted to make you aware of a new company that's out there making some really cool apparel and other swag. Fan Tack. www.fan tack.com check it out they've created a bunch of logos and stuff for uh, an expanding list of jockeys and they also are doing some going in circles swag so if you want any uh, t-shirts or hats hoodies and cell phone covers check it out fantac f-a-n-t-a-c-k Is this uh, Daytona's finest? <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> you uh, you survived the um, the big race there yesterday. Yes, I did. It was it was actually a pretty good race. Um, in comparison to you know a lot of other things going on this weekend, but uh, yeah, it was, it was it was actually a really good race. Close finish. My man Bubba almost got it done, but finished second. Live the fight another day. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's going to test positive for illegal gasoline. <laughs> hey, you never. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's they true. They eat all the time. <laughs> Those guys are the worst. <laughs> yeah, that's true, too. That is true. Uh, well, everybody's looking for an edge. The irony is that uh, in in horse racing, a lot of times we get horses that test positive, and it's very very unlikely that the the positive uh, actually benefited the horse all that much. But no, that that's what I mean. It, it just seems like <laughs> you know, depending on the situation, because it's like you know, you, you see these positives come up and lower level type races and it's like 
really all that worth it, <laughs> especially when you get caught. Well, one of the things that that is it's frustrating because there's so much that's misunderstood about drug testing. There's so much that's misunderstood about the system. And the system sucks. I mean, I've said this how many times before. It's not a good system. It's a shitty system. And um, unfortunately, I don't think that the people that are taking over at the national level are really going to do much better. I think it seems like that they're just going to kind of, um, you know, spruce up now, which isn't very good. But I think one of the things that people have this great misunderstanding about drug positives is that they're performance enhancing. That's absolutely positively not true. There's no research been done to say that this at this nanograms or this medication at this level is going to be performance enhancing and under it's not. That's not true. These are detection levels of medications. It's all detection levels. The numbers are basically arbitrary and they'll tell you all oh, they're not but they're but you ask them well okay well show me the study that shows where it's performance enhancing they don't have it they don't have one because it's arbitrary i that think that's said i think that the bit you know that today's news about the kentucky racing commission coming down and, and disqualifying medina spirit which is something that we basically said was going to happen last week we weren't sure about the timing of it and I was off on the days. I, I actually uh, had only considered gamines positive with the days, so I, I thought he would get 60 days, not 90 days, but I guess the Arkansas positives count as well. Um, but it's a cut-and-dry thing, and people have been misled by Bob Baffert's lawyers. The fact that so many people are willing to believe that this drug, uh, this technical difference in the drug because of the the manner of delivery of, of, of it being an ointment as opposed to an injection, it really doesn't have anything to do with anything. The rule basically states the name of the drug and the, po the level that it's a positive for. If it's detected at this level, then it's a positive. If it's not, it's not. But it shows one of the real weaknesses of our sport in general in that we don't have anybody out there explaining what's going on. And like you take a situation like today. Okay. We're all over the news now. Is there anybody from horse racing that's out there explaining it? No. We've let Bob Baffert's lawyers explain it. Let me tell you something. You don't have to like be a, a a legal analyst to know that good lawyers are going to paint a great picture of their client's innocence and they're going to they're going to take uh the situation and they're going to uh you know underline what they want you to see and what they want you to believe and they're just going to ignore everything else because it's been one-sided and i think one of the th funny things about clark brewster and uh you know, obviously he's a good lawyer, and if, if you were in trouble, he'd probably be the guy you want on your side. But from a neutral standpoint, you don't believe anything he says. <laughs> <laughs> like, he said today that the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission has, has made, um, you know, these these public statements that, that, that show that they're biased against his client. And just last week, they had a, 
a commission meeting where they decided to have a rule that allows them to speak on the matter be, because they haven't been allowed to speak on the matter. They haven't said anything. <laughs> yeah, well, they you they, know what? They, they may put put our show in in the <laughs> in the evidence. Well, <laughs> we, it, we, we've like, exclaimed so many times that they haven't said anything for so long. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. They, I mean, if you just read what he said today, you would think, oh, well, yeah, maybe they're biased. They haven't said a word. <laughs> Their lawyer said something in court, like in June. And the, what the lawyer for the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission said was basically that, uh, just as I, I stated it, and, and believe me, I'm getting it from her, not vice versa, is that a positive is a positive is a positive. That the uh, the technical breakdown that they've given under the mitigating circumstances is not to allow the the the, the positive to go, uh, you know, uh, to make it go away. To say it's not a positive, that has to do with the penalty phase, and they obviously didn't <laughs> they didn't take that into consideration at all because he got the maximum penalty basically. And I know people are complaining, and, and it's like. Again, if if racing and, and I know why they're complaining, they're complaining because they're mad. <laughs> but that's because racing does a, a horrific job of explaining why things are like they are. Yeah, I think you, you brought up a really good point <clears throat> about, you know, the overages. There's, like you said, you know, no matter how much they are over with the medication, which technically is legal or which is legal, it doesn't necessarily deem it to be uh, performance enhancing. And I think that's the key because, you know, obviously we're going to have our speculation about this, that, and the other, um, you know, at least to me, it's, it's, it's kind of clear that whatever any of the quote unquote cheaters are doing, it's ahead of the testing. So, you know, if you find these these overages, which like we've talked about, like going way back, you know, saying, you know, you know, why? How can you allow this as, as a as a big time trainer allow for these, you know, ticky tack overages to to kind of put you in this situation? And that's really a, a lot of what this is, is just over time. It's just built up, built up, built up. All the other stuff is kind of speculation, like, you know. Obviously, the the necropsy came back. There was nothing, at least as far as what they reported, that they could see in the horse's system that would have caused it. Um, so there there's a lot to unpack, and there there's like you said, the system is horrible, and the national level people are just going to kind of go with what we have in place instead of revamping the whole thing, and it, it'll probably help but it won't be the, the, the solution that, that we need. And, and I think that's the bigger issue that you were kind of getting at is that, you know, if we had someone out there in front of everybody explaining it from a, a neutral standpoint, not from the lawyer standpoint, it would make a whole hell of a lot of difference with public perception, with betters, with everybody that's involved, you know, on the fringes of horse racing and, and internally, um, but we don't have that. So everything is left to people like us to try to explain it or make sense of it. And it, it's not really 
a great thing because, you know, people are going to listen to us a, a little bit, but we're not the authority technically. So it, it, it's, it, it creates a situation where it kind of compacts itself and the cycle will repeat as long as we don't have someone speaking in layman's terms to, to the public. No, it's, it's a very, it's a very good way of putting it. And, um, you know, there's, there's restrictions that the racing commission, now remember racing commissions are state entities. They are, they're, they are arms of the state. And it's why I always kind of roll my eyes when people say, well, racing can't, uh, regulate itself. And I say, well, racing doesn't regulate itself. <laughs> These are state racing hey, commissions. They're, right. they're state, you know, bodies. They're, they're not, uh, racing bodies. And does racing have influence in getting some people on uh, these these bodies in certain states, yes. In other states, they have they have no influence, and it, it's they're they're governed by the state laws and, and rules and regulations. They can't just do what they want to do. And I think one of the biggest mistakes that people have made, and this is something we've talked about, you know, many times, is don't compare us to other sports. Don't compare us to other sports. We're not other sports. We're we're different. We're regulated by state entities. We're not a private league. We can't. Uh, we don't have collective bargaining that that <laughs> happens that determines you know what penalties are going to be and, and 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 things of that nature. And I think you know like just perusing Twitter, it, it, people don't understand that drug testing is a complicated. Um, it's a complicated endeavor. It's not like you, you take blood. What are those places you, you go, you get your blood drawn in? Uh, Quest Diagnostics. Right, right. You just show up there, right? You get an appointment, you go up there, and, you know, they they they, they uh, bring you in the room and, you know, they draw the blood and and uh, whatever, and, and you go home and, and, then, and it's done. It's not that simple. Number one, you've got to make sure... Well, I, I mean, someone was talking about having pre-race testing, and and that's, you know, the complications on a pre-race testing are, are 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 huge. All right, you have a race this coming Saturday, all right? That's like two weeks in advance. All right, so when when do you test the horses? At least two weeks, right? At least, if not a month. <laughs> what do you test them for? Exactly. Where do you test them? Who takes the samples? Who is in charge of the custody of the samples? What lab is going to guarantee you they're going to be back in, in the, the proper amount right. of time? Before the race. Who, who is, is going to um, determine what drugs are to be tested for since there's thousands of different drugs? Who um, is going to oversee the program? Who makes the, the uh, uh, you know, literally, who mails the thing? Um. You know, these are all cases where I've heard of um, of issues coming up. Uh, I know in New York years ago, a case went to court, and the lawyer argued successfully that how did the lab know that the, the urine sample came from the horse in question if they hadn't collected DNA from the horse to match it to the sample? And the judge said, that's a reasonable request, and and it creates doubt. And he threw the kit, they threw the whole thing out, threw the positive out. It was almost sure, surely a positive. So they started collecting 
you know, a, a, another sample from the horse because they wanted to make sure that that excuse wasn't, or that, uh, that path to, to, to getting your, your case thrown out didn't exist. You have the issue of, um, of, uh, you know, horses uh, for the Kentucky Derby in particular being all over the place. What are you going to require them to be there a month before? And what if there's a, an issue at the lab? What if they lose power? What if there's a natural disaster? What if there's a flood? What if there's um, layoffs or, uh, you know, there, there's there's all kinds of things that could happen that would delay the testing. What if their damn machine breaks? what are they going to postpone the derby what if it you know and this happens this happens quite a lot what if the test is inconclusive then what then what do you do yeah roll the dice yeah it's it's, it's so you can't test again you can't get these tests back and it was like oh well you know they tested for <clears throat> You know, uh, Medina Spirit before the Preakness. Yes, they tested it for one specific drug that they that they knew to look for. One. They only had they they only had to test for one thing, and that's the thing. It's like they don't have this giant machine. You just pour all the samples in there, and it just spits out. You know, oh, this is positive. That's negative. This is this. You have to specifically test for each drug. And that's that's a complicated endeavor. It's complicated to figure out which ones to test for. There's there's so many possibilities. And and that's like what you said earlier. Taking that into consideration, the drugs that they don't even know exist, or the ones that have been modified to have a peptide or two uh changed that throws off the testing. It's just it's not an easy fix. That's what I'm trying to say. I mean, and, and, you know, this all got talked about, started because, you know, there's a lawsuit that was filed against Baffert and against Churchill. <laughs> and one of the cases about Churchill was they shouldn't have allowed Medina Spirit in the race in the beginning before he got the positive, which, you know, is, uh, which, which seems like that'll be what'll, you know, get the, case probably thrown out like how, how would they know at that point you know just because Baffert had a had a history before that I mean so does everybody man <laughs> he, he, he ran he ran other horses that day so are they not going to be allowed to run two or just this one and it, it just seems and I understand people are upset that bet mandolin even though I think a lot of you are lying <laughs> If everybody said they bet him, bet him, he'd have been four to five. But I, I understand that. But there's no easy mechanism to fix that. And you know what? People like me, we cashed. I ain't giving it back. <laughs> you ain't getting it back from me. <laughs> I cashed my futures on Medina Spirit. I ain't giving it back. Just the way it is. Yeah, and and I I see the people uh, talking about the the quote unquote. <laughs> minuscule fine and and again this is, this is another thing that bears interpretation because you know i'm under the impression that they couldn't 
find him more than that based on, you know, what's allowable by law. No, there's a scale. There's right. a scale. And... and I think that's the max, isn't it? Like, um, really doesn't get. I, I, I don't know for if exactly, Barry, because it's, it's, it's changed. Yeah. Well, it's not only is it changed, but the, you know, they keep a lot of this stuff under wraps. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, the transparency from the KHRC is just something that we've kind of, you know, bitched about for months now. Um, it, it's not the most, uh, it doesn't give you the most heartwarming feeling, right, <laughs> about, like, what they're doing over there, especially when you don't know what they're doing. But I just they, don't understand why they don't or wouldn't want to be as transparent as possible in this scenario. I just don't think that they anticipated this scenario. And, and I, I can't say that I, I would have anticipated that either. I mean, this no. is kind of a, a bizarre world. Yeah, we're going to get a positive in the Derby. We're not going to announce it. The trainer's going to announce it himself. Then he's going to go on national TV and make all these claims. Then the lawyers are going to go on national TV and make all these claims. And Naira's going to jump. I mean, it just became, you know. <laughs> and, and they have, to their credit, um, acknowledged that they didn't look good. Um and they are going to, you know, come up with rules and that allow them to to make commentary at the very least, you know, give dates of of hearings and things like that. I don't think they're going to uh, throw open the 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 the, the hearings. Uh, I'm not saying that they shouldn't. That you know whether they should or they shouldn't. I, I don't really see why they wouldn't. If you can have a Kentucky Horse Racing Commission um, meeting. you know, be a public event. I, I don't understand why, um, why uh, a steward's hearing couldn't be a public event, though there probably is a legal reason of some sort. So, I mean, when, when the commissions go into executive session talking about lawsuits and, and such, they turn the cameras off. I mean, so, so that is not, that is not privy to the public, but, um, I mean, this really just kind of followed the the natural um, course of action. It just took forever. <laughs> and, you know, from what you can take, and I know Robertson has been, you know, uh, Baffert's lawyer has, you know, is said that they're going to appeal, which is about the biggest one the nine shot that there ever was <laughs> they were appealing this they're going to continue to appeal until they run out of places to appeal be i mean they're in all it they're all in now i mean it wouldn't make any sense for them to to stop now but i think there's a couple dominoes that are going to fall here and again this is speculation because no one i don't think really knows for sure but they're going to appeal and the appeal is going to be held um, by a hearing officer assigned by the Kentucky Racing Commission. And they're going to have a hearing probably uh, a little less contentious than, than the Naira hearing that Patford <laughs> had to go through. But they're going to have a hearing. And the hearing officer, I'm sure, will um, take all the evidence that is provided by both sides into, into, uh, into you know, making his decision. And then he gives a suggestion and this is, I'm pretty sure of this, uh, he makes a suggestion to the full Kentucky Horse Racing Commission um, board 
as to what his feeling is. But I do not think that the that the, the commission is bound by his his ruling. Um, I think it's That's a suggestion, right? It's not. No, the hearing officer can't. I don't think can actually overturn um, anything. I think he can maybe suggest that that's overturned. I don't know if there's been occasions where he's made the suggestion to overturn something that, and and it's been upheld or vice versa. I mean, I, I guess it's possible. Didn't that happen with the dancer's image though? Didn't they reverse uh, the DQ better. and then put it back on? Yeah, but that was, that was it, it, it was yeah. It, it, everything was different. Different times. Yeah, I mean that wound up in in, in court. So, which is this one is, is almost assuredly going to go to court because I guess the point I was making was the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission is going to uphold. <laughs> they're going to uphold the their uh, their own ruling. The ruling, yes. <laughs> and uh, I'm not making any claims that the stewards were influenced by the Racing Commission as a whole, but I'm sure that they discussed matters with the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission's lawyers and um, those lawyers are going to give the same advice I'm sure to the the full board and he's going to lose the appeal I mean that's and, and they know it I mean they're not you know, they get it um, and then it'll it, it'll go to court and they'll they'll go to you know whatever um, court to get to uh, I guess an injunction and and go from there. Um, in the meantime, he he won't be suspended because the suspension will be on stay. Though I believe that Naira, who originally had kind of tied the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission ruling to its decision, um, after that hearing, it was pretty hard to believe that they weren't going to. Uh, that they were going to change their mind. It would be difficult to believe they were going to change their mind and not want to give Baffert uh, a suspension of some sort. And with this ruling coming down today, it appears that they have, um, you know, their justification as well. They're going to say, well, you know, this guy just got nine days and all the things we said. So we're going to suspend him indefinitely. And um, I mean, we don't know how long, once this thing gets to court, how long it's going to take. I mean, it could take a long time. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say it's going to take a long time. <laughs> right. I mean, it's it's taken a year or almost a year in, in order to, for us to find out this much. <laughs> and that, and it's not even over yet, so. No, and, and, and the complication becomes... I mean, I know a certain segment of the population believes that Baffert's going to be running in this year's Derby, that he's going to get an injunction and that, that it's going to allow him to run. Um, again, I'm not a lawyer nor a legal analyst, but uh, and I actually haven't asked any lawyers about this because this all came down today. And I guess they are all, you know, like working. But um, geez, <laughs> but um um, or just didn't want to talk about Bob Everett anymore. <laughs> that could be the other one. But um, I don't know how this affects or Naira coming out and and making a, a you know an official denial of the grounds. If that would affect Baffert's chances of getting an injunction or not, I don't know. I mean, I suppose it could. Um, I mean, it's probably not a good thing, right? But uh, I, I just don't know. I, I don't know how. Uh, 
I don't know how it's all going to play out, but it, it seems right now kind of crazy. And um, I guess we're just going to have to to play it by ear. But uh, I, I hope people do understand that, um, you know, this is, he's not being singled out here. He's being treated like every other person that's ever got a positive in the state of Kentucky. Yeah. And I think that gets lost in a lot of people. Um <clears throat> Because you got the the one faction that <laughs> that wants uh, wants blood, you know, out to you know with the pitchforks and the, and the the torches and everything, and then you got the other side that's like, well, why are you singing them out? Why why is he getting all this scrutiny and not anyone else? So obviously, you know, us being rational, it's somewhere in between, <laughs> you know. And like you said, it doesn't seem as if he's being treated any differently than anyone else. Um, no. It's just the process is is being drawn out and and glorified because of his lawyers, his media presence, the whole nine, and so, the fact that it's the Kentucky Derby, right? And it's the biggest race ever. So, I mean, let's not forget he got a positive for the same medication a year in, early. The, in the Kentucky Oaks, and they didn't give him any days. They gave him the benefit of the doubt. And that is part of the mitigating circumstances. My friend said, well, well, taking out the mitigating circumstances, I said, how can you take out the mitigating circumstances? They they play a, a big role in the sentence. If I robbed the store and I had never done anything wrong before in my life, I'm sure my sentence would be far less harsh than if, if uh, I, I had, you know, done time three different times for armed robbery, right? I mean, that matters. I'm not saying that this is equates to armed robbery, but... Those other positives do matter at some point, and and that's that's part of the the equation. And and you know to say, well, let's not consider them. Well, why? Why wouldn't we consider them? That's part of the rule, and that's just that's why you you're supposed to take the steps that you can to not get positive tests. And there, and, and there's another thing, and I think we touched on it earlier the fact that. Everyone's taking, or I shouldn't use use that word, but that everyone or or many people take um, the delivery of the betamethasone via Automax for a skin rash as a given. That's not a given. That hasn't really been proven. That's a theory that's been put out there. Whether it's, it's true or not, it's not a fact. It's not a fact. Right. The only fact we have is the test results. <laughs> so, so that, I mean, and like I said, it doesn't necessarily mean it might not be true, but to just accept it as um, a fact is, is just a mistake because, you know, there's, there's no one that's, that's um, on the other side of, of the, the ledger that, that's, that's, you know, cutting that argument up and maybe cross-examining, um, you know the 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 lab people that that came up with those results, and and perhaps the language that they used isn't nearly as um, distinct or exact as the language that the lawyers are going to use. But that's what the lawyer's job is. I mean, yeah. I'm not mad at them; it's just their job. I mean, it's I'm, I'm sick of talking about them, but you know, <laughs> but that's that's their job, and and they've succeeded in in making most people believe that it was delivered via a a um 
an ointment that, you know, Baffert said they weren't giving for 48 hours after this all happened. So that's, that's the thing is, you know, people are just assuming that and, and that's, you know, we'll, we'll see in court, you know, when, yeah. we, when we finally get there. So, well, I hope that's one of the, the key takeaways, one of the many takeaways from this, that the, the, the racing commission takes from this is, you know, not to allow the, you know, lawyers and the, the people that committed the infraction to dictate the narrative on this. I think that was, that was a big mistake um, just because it, it muddies the water so much um, away from, you know, the, the fairness and, and the procedures and everything that's involved with, with the testing, you know, it, it just, it just made everything so much more convoluted because, you know, Baffert was on TV, like, was it a week after or six days after, after the, the race, you know, claiming innocence and so on and so forth. And, and the, the racing commission didn't even get a chance to say anything. I don't know if they would have, but they certainly didn't. No, and they wouldn't have because you know they have rules that they restrict them, and and that's that's a racing problem. That's not a, a, a yeah. Bob Baffert problem. That's 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 Frosted that's a board. racing problem. And we we should have a, a spokesman. I mean, every every major entity in the world has a spokesman of some sort, and you know we just got get lambasted and and uh, <laughs> you know on the radio I hear people saying, "Well, the Kentucky Derby disqualified." Yeah. you know medina spirit well the kentucky derby is a race it doesn't actually do any disqualifying but but that's because there's no one out there to to correct anything and that's you know that 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 is one of the real failures on the part of this business and it's one of those everybody uh you know churchill doesn't want uh stronic group people speaking for him and they don't want naira people speaking for him and neither one you know why why the ntra doesn't take um or isn't assigned this task or the ntra with a um a pr firm of some sort that would be able to um you know at least give out (laughs) information and just make sure it's accurate and, and just have someone to explain the terminology and, and the reasonings and things like that. Because, I mean, that's that's how these narratives get, get lost and is when there's no one out there to say, well, that's not actually true. And, uh, I mean, we're, it's, too big of an, uh, it's too big of a business. It's too large of an industry to just punt these things. But well, uh, I, I think sometimes they 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 forgot or they were under the assumption that something like this would never happen. So there was no contingency plan on what to do if said event happened. Um, and and it, it feels like they just were like, oh well, you know, with these lower level races that this stuff kind of happens, and nobody's really pressing them on it. And lo and behold, you have basically the biggest race in America with the biggest positive in America, and there's nobody in front of this explaining it to the people. And let's let's be clear that money is the problem. Well, that's always the problem. <laughs> it's the problem, and it's it's the truth, and that no one wants to pay for it. And 
a lot of stuff gets screwed up in this business because nobody wants to pay for it. It it doesn't, and I think it's it goes back to that whole. You got to understand that there is no racing, right? There's no racing. Racing is is not a single entity. It is a group of 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 many that are are going in all kind of different directions and uh and it's it's unfortunate and it's one of the reasons why the sport flails and it's one of the reasons why the sport doesn't uh ever seem to get anything accomplished and uh you know it's just uh just uh, it's just the dysfunction that uh, the dysfunction junction man <laughs> anyways moving on <laughs> well they had a an actual um derby prep this weekend that, that Bob Baffert wasn't involved in and surprisingly and honestly I was surprised the epicenter went off as long as he did I, I oh, was man. really surprised he just looked, um, bro. I mean, in the write-up, I I said I, I just don't see where anyone's going to press him, and they and, did. <laughs> no, I was, you have to know. I stopped at nine to two. When he was nine to two, I was like, oh my god. Let me empty the bank account right now. One of the things I think you have to realize that the tactics used by. Uh, connections in stake races like this are different than they would be in an overnight race. Uh, horses stretching out from sprints to two-turn races aren't necessarily going to show speed. They, If they've been successful rallying from off the pace, even if it's close behind a fast pace, they're going to tell the jockey to do the same thing. Most connections will. They're just not going to sacrifice their horse. And that's how they look at it. Even though those tactics might be uh, better suited for a two-turn race versus a one-turn race, people are very stubborn. And, and when they get a decent horse and the horse runs well, they think that's the horse's style. And it's um, that's why I just didn't see much pace in this race. I said, who's going to sacrifice themselves? They know Epicenter is going to the lead. Rosario last time. Oh, man. <laughs> I didn't understand his tactics in the LeCompte because Dallas Stewart had the, the horse, the surf, whatever his name is. Long shot. Right, from the rail, who's a dead runoff horse. And he's just a horse. I mean, he's really not a great stakes caliber horse. And he kind of proved that in the, uh, the Gunrunner because uh, Epicenter just ran away from him. And he drew post one again. And I made the assumption in the LeCompte that, that Rosario would do the same thing. He would let the one horse, the, the surfer horse from the rail, uh, send because he figured he's sending. And he would just lay off him and, and, and use him as a horse, as a target. Uh, you know, something similar to what, what happened in the last race. You know, kind of for the reason I just <laughs> talked about a minute ago, that people don't like to change tactics when they, when the horses run well. But he didn't that race, and and I didn't know why. And he went extraordinarily fast the second quarter to outrun that horse, and that didn't make any sense to me because that horse wasn't a threat. And um, he's had a really 
you know, a, a quick pace. And if he had gone a couple hundredths faster and it was in the 46s instead of 47 flat, then it, it might have gotten noticed a little more. But, um, and also stretching out to a mile and a 16th from a mile 16 to a mile and eight, a lot of people are maybe a little skeptical about their horse going a mile and a first time. And they, they're saying, well, don't use them as much early in the race. And it just looked like to me that Rosario was going to have a tactical advantage over the other horses coming into the race. And uh, I mean, I wasn't high on the chances of winning of, of either Zandon or, or smile happy or Papa cap or well, Papa cap. No, I mean, Papa cap was like, okay, he's going to sit the pocket. He's going to be on the inside. He's going to save ground. Like, can he suck up and be third? Right. And of course he, he didn't, he's, he's just getting worse and confirms that the Breeders' Cup Juvie was, was not good. Storm the court, man. You got company, bro. So, um, uh, ouch. <laughs> it's not looking good. Um, but the horse that Chad Brown sent down, uh, he had the one race around two turns around a mile and an eighth, but it was the race where he kind of got shoved into the rail and he showed he's a quality horse because he kept he kept trying that. Kept day. running, yeah. Yeah, that's when I read did the Bill Lambier. <laughs> and uh but I don't like horses that run big figures that have time off and, and it wasn't an excessive amount of time off, but um shipping to, to New Orleans and running on that surface, and then I, I just said to myself, what kind of trip does this horse get? Like where does he lay? Because you had five or six horses that all kind of wanted that same trip, that, that same kind of, you know, second flight trip. And I said to myself, where is he going to lay? And I, I didn't expect him to break as poorly as he did and, and, and get way behind like he did. And he actually ran well. But, you know, running well is, is doesn't cash tickets. And uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I was, you know, I was again, smile happy for the same reason. And, um, and I think what happens, too, is sometimes connections they're people are humans they read the paper and they get a little too high in their horse especially if they're training really good and then they stop trying to um you know get good trips and they'll just circle wide in this case that didn't happen he actually got trapped behind horses um and um but you know he kind of kind of ruined my my exactas there but uh, but but he raced okay, Smile Happy. But I don't like him in the Derby. I, I don't think Run Happy's want to go a mile and a quarter. And um, I don't like the I, I don't like babying horses. And this horse is you know Kenny's baby, and I'm, that's all there's to it. People can knock Baffert all they want, but runs the horses he runs in the Derby. Even the ones that run good that don't win. I mean, he's had quite a few Bodie Meister. A couple of them have been second and thirds too. They're horses that run. They run the calendar year. They run. They run in January. They run in February. They run in March. They run in April. And why people haven't caught on to this? I don't get it. I don't understand it. I think a lot of them are just trying to get there. <laughs> that That's the goal is to get there. And it's not to win it because they're, you know, the the helium type, you know, theory. Hey, you know. Like we have enough points now. Let's just uh, train up to it because this way we guarantee we're in it. We have no chance to win now because we haven't run and our horses run once in seven months. 
you're not going to win the Derby running once or even twice in seven months. I, I just, unless we get to a point where Everybody. the entire field is made up of, of horses that yeah. have only run once or twice. But Baffert, one of the reasons, it's not just because he has good horses, it's not just because he's always juicing them, this and that. One of the things he does is he runs his horses. And yeah, he's got the luxury of having a a, a full bench full. Sure. A dream team. <laughs> Every I mean, year. Right. I mean, look at last year. Everyone forgets Medina Spirit was the like the last one standing, right? But he yeah. was still standing. And, it, and and he raced the rest of the year. And he ran really well in the Breeders' Cup Classic at the end of the year, despite having run a lot. Babying horses doesn't help them. It just doesn't. It just doesn't. Maybe a Philly's a little different than a Colt, but if you want to win the Kentucky Derby, you, you got to bring a horse there that's dead fit, that's got some foundation. Horses with three starts, lifetime, and two of them were in October. Yeah, and they I mean, <sighs> come on, guys. And it's another reason why Churchill should adjust the point points. schedule. Points, right. They should want horses running in, in January. It's better for them. You'll have better races. Your horse gets hurt, he's going to get hurt. You can't prevent them from getting hurt. It was like when uh, uh, OXO decided they were going to turn out Instagram. Was it Instagram? Yep. They, did one, yeah, uh, they were going to turn them out. I said, it's the worst thing you could do for them. Oh, why? I said, well, because y- y- horses don't develop running around a field. When you bring them back, if, he, if he's got issues with his legs, they're, they're going to come back. And now he's going to be bigger and heavier. Training horses doesn't hurt them. Racing horses doesn't hurt them. If if racing horses hurts a horse, he's not going to win the Kentucky Derby anyways. Correct. But but every year it's and and we see it more and more and more. It's just uh, it's almost like a plague. <laughs> it's worse. Yeah, I, I I I'm with you. I I was just shocked that Epicenter wasn't getting more action. I thought Epicenter might even be favorite. But I was pleasantly surprised that he was not. And he won so easily. I kind of wanted to cry because I, I bet a big double with with the Pletch and the uh, and the Rachel Alexandra. And I got run over by the oh. Turner and Hooch or whatever that stupid horse's name. No Billy, yeah. The first time dirt ran me over. <laughs> that was a good it was coming back good too man the crete uh apparently had surgery just a couple screws she'll be fine she'll be okay yeah she'll be okay and joe Orzara did a nice job getting her pulled up quick and uh you know it's unfortunate but it's it sounds like it's gonna have a uh okay ending um Echo Zulu's been tuning it up, speaking of the Phillies, and yeah. apparently she's going to have one race before the Oaks. It doesn't look like they're going to take a shot in the Derby. Is she even going to make the Oaks? <laughs> yeah, see, they're 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 working her. I mean, they're they've cranked her up pretty quick. It seems like so. The Kentucky Oaks is not the Kentucky Derby. It's completely different. True. It's a, it's a it's a normal race. You can you can win the Oaks using your normal tactics. The Derby, you can't. But uh, like I said, some point, all the horses will will come in with two races this year. Some of them will have to win. Yep. 
Uh, but until then, the rebel, the rebel drew. The rebel's not a great race. No, I was kind of disappointed when I, I saw I saw the uh, the entries today. Yeah, yeah, it's it's okay. not a it's, it's not a it's not a strong year. It just isn't. And... Yeah, the I, I didn't even know half the horses to be honest. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of kind of like who's who. New Grange will be probably the favorite. Barber Road. Yeah, Barber Road, because last time I bet Barber Road a 9 1, so. <laughs> it went at 5 to 2 now. Oh, yeah, he'll definitely roll by. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I mean, we've, we've been speculating for a while now. It'll be, uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how long this game of chicken with the owners of those horses of, uh, Bavards stay there. Especially if they so, keep winning races. So was there a definitive answer or way they're going to dole out points or not dole out points if they leave him? No, but points so, are... You, you, you. The way it's been explained to me is that if you run... Our New Grange runs in the Rebel this week for Baffert. He wins the race. The next day he goes to, I don't know, a different trainer. He earns no points. It's the status when he when he ran, ran the race. Gotcha. So he has no points still. Uh, even if he winds up in someone else's barn. So now he's going to have to earn more points. But Baffert horses have been eating up so many points. Nobody <laughs> has this any. black hole, right? right. That, that um. <laughs> Nobody has any points. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're not going to have to run real good the next time in order to get it. But I'll be honest, if I really was an owner that, that, that was was trying to run into Kentucky Derby and I, I can't believe I can't believe that they're they, they would be more loyal to Bob Baffert than they would to trying to win the Kentucky Derby. That just seems like that's nuts. That's wild. <laughs> that that they wouldn't be able to take the horse from him for a couple months, you know, like I mean it just seems crazy, but you probably have at least one race where you earn some points <laughs> because you could see, especially if the, the 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 big favorites for the race are not uh, intimidating. You could see some real, you know, guys are going to say, hey, I know we were fourth once and we have one point, but hey, it's the Kentucky Derby. And we're let's in. do it. We never get a chance to run. And, you know, who cares if the horse runs? You know, if he runs good, it's great. And, you know, we, we don't expect anything because we're going to be 50 to one, right? You, you you might see four of those this year. I mean, this might be the time where, where some people say, hey, this might be our only chance to run in the Kentucky Derby, even though we have no shot. But, hey, who do we really – who are we really scared of over here? Right? Who are we really scared of? So, yeah, if I actually had a, a horse that was going to be, um, you know, 10 to 1 or less – or I thought, you know, had a shot or was running figs that, that made him a contender. Boy, I'd want to earn some points. I'd, I'd want to earn some. I'd, I'd want to get some. I'd, I wouldn't want to go uh, having zero. But, I mean, I, I bet you if you went through the, all the derby horses and you could contact all the people with horses who have broke their maidens or, you know, Whatever. I bet there's 75 guys still think they got a shot of running the Kentucky Derby this year. Huh. 
It might be more. It might be more, Barry. It might be more. It's got to be more. It might be more. Because we're not the only ones. I mean, Smile Happy's a nice horse and all, but who's scared of him? I mean, no, honestly, who's scared of I, any of them? I was going to say nobody, really, at this point. Classic Causeway looked good last week. The White of Barrio looked okay. And these horses all look okay. Like, you know, like the horse that won the LeCompte coming back. I mean, he's just as likely to run Louisiana Derby and run seventh as he is anything right. else. <laughs> Probably more likely. Right? So, I mean, no one's afraid of him. No, one, He's not scaring anybody out of a race. Even that horse, the Mandela's out west. You know, he's he's run one seven eight race. He hasn't even run a two turn race. We'll be, we'll be getting into March. And he hasn't even run two, two turns. <laughs> yeah, this is gonna be wild. I mean, you have the Chad Brown horse that that, that, that won the uh, won the Withers and got like a twelve buyer, negative right? <laughs> negative five buyer. <laughs> well, he actually did run a little better than it looked, but I mean. You know, there's horses in that race that earn derby points. A lot of them might not win for 50, but they got, they got you know, two points in their holster. Well, I tell you so, what, man, this is shaping up to be like long shot central in the derby. No favorites. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's a weird, it's a weird dynamic. And, you know, we've been talking about this. We talked about this now for you know, the Derby trail and Baffert and all the nonsense for almost 50 minutes. So take me through yesterday's latest debacle at Santa Anita. Well, apparently they're having issues with the turf. And in the last race of the day, three jockeys refused to ride. And they scratch their horses on the spot. And it created quite a, a stir <laughs> with the betting public because, you know, it just seemed like, you know, a lot of people were saying it seemed like they, they were never going to run anyway. Why did they wait so long to scratch those horses? So on and so forth. But I guess apparently what was going on is uh, the horses kept slipping there was a few that slipped uh, i think one earlier with with a jock lost his irons i think it was uh drayden lost his irons and, and just kind of galloped around but um you know it was kind of like a split thing I, I saw some some jockeys were interviewed where they said that they didn't have any problems the other half were like yeah our horses slipped it's not safe but i mean it's like I don't understand because they ha- haven't had any rain in in a while. What would make the course slippery or horses to slip like that? I, I just don't know. I, I don't know enough about how, you know, they aerate the courses and so on. They keep them firm enough for horses to get a grip. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's terrible for the betters because they're just kind of hapless victims 
in in the whole thing. But you know, I understand the jock's point of view. Sure. And I also want to say to you know, if they decided to ride, do you really want? <laughs> right. Yeah. Do you do you really want your jock going right. out there worried about the 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 um right the surface and then just taking a hold of the horse and and you know just trying to protect the horse and himself as opposed to trying to win the race. I mean, in situations where jockeys are going out there and um, they have no intention of trying from the start because they're worried about, you know, safety issue. I mean, what are we doing? Yeah. I mean, they ran today. I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't see anything out of the norm. Um, there was some, actually a couple good finishes. Uh, on the turf so i don't know what changed between yesterday and today but they were out there i guess they they were going to run the first race on it <clears throat> and then reevaluate from there but i guess everything <laughs> i guess everything went fine but it seems a little counterintuitive could have had i was i was on a plane one time i was flying from <laughs> tucson home this is when i was in school and I was flying home from Tucson, and you can't fly direct from to anywhere from Tucson except like Phoenix, right? <laughs> so we stopped. I think we stopped at Phoenix, and, and we were flying. I was flying to Pittsburgh. This was the old U.S. Air. Oh boy! Yeah, nobody misses them. So, um, about thirty minutes into the flight, or twenty-five minutes into the flight, all of a sudden the plane like like drops altitude quick and <laughs> all of the um all of the uh the oxygen masks pop come out right so i'm like oh shit we're gonna crash here <laughs> this is this is not gonna be good and before i could even like grab the thing because you're kind of in a little bit of a state of shock right you're looking around and it's like is this really happening you know and the stewardesses are like um, but they were stewardesses back then. They weren't flight attendants. Now they're flight attendants, but they were stewardesses back then. They were like, oh, no, no, it's okay. It's just a malfunction. You know, we're okay. We're okay. We're okay. You know, uh, so, you know, don't panic. Don't panic. And and the captain comes on a couple minutes later. And he's like, listen, uh, we had a little, uh, you know, I don't know. He said some equipment malfunction. And uh, we're what we're going to do is... <laughs> Land. land over here in Albuquerque and and uh, get the, get the plane checked out. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, man, this can't be good. <laughs> I don't want to get stuck in Albuquerque. I was worried about my connecting flight in Pittsburgh, right? I didn't want to get stuck in Pittsburgh, and because I got like a windbreaker, because I left <laughs> Tucson, it was like 79, you know, and I got like a windbreaker on. And... So, anyways, we we we've landed in Albuquerque. And I don't know if it's changed, but back then the Albuquerque airport was Spartan. <laughs> so we were like, well, what do we do? And they're like, well, we're going to have these guys look at the plane. So these guys come in and they're, you know, they're walking in and out. And so uh, uh, I don't know how much time had passed. I think about 45 minutes. And now I'm like, I, I know there's no chance we're gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna miss a connection. I'm definitely getting stuck in Pittsburgh. And of course, we didn't have cell phones back then either. So it wasn't like I could just call ahead and say, "Hey, yeah, we're, we're you know, the connection is gonna be missed." Blah blah blah. So then I was like, "Well, I gotta find a payphone," and I, it was just a nightmare. So, anyways, <laughs> they come out and they say, "All right, listen, 
we're gonna take the we're gonna take it out. We think we found what the problem is. We're gonna take the flight out or the airline out, uh, and, and we're gonna we're gonna make a test run. I'm what like, a test run? <laughs> like they're not really sure if they fix this damn thing, you know? So now I'm like, shit. I'm trying to calculate how much how long would it take for me to drive from if I rented a car in Albuquerque and you know of course I had about seventy bucks to my name, <laughs> so. um they actually did that. They took the plane out. <laughs> they flew it around, <laughs> and then they came back and they and they said oh, everything's okay. Fixed. And they loaded us back on. <laughs> yeah, that's a and, plane I would have uh, never gotten back on. So just like, uh, in the plane, and I'm thinking to myself, "Well, Chuck, what other options do you have? You're in Albuquerque, New Mexico, you know." And like I said, like nowadays we have cell phones. You can just find things out or you know, you can call an Uber or you could uh, just do things. But back then, you didn't have any of this, right? You were just stuck. And like, oh, well, I guess, you know, if I, if I go, at least I'll go. And, uh, you know, it'll be national news. I mean, my name will be listed on the the U.S. Air Flight uh, 327 that went down at Albuquerque. <laughs> and, and, and then it'll be a big controversy because they knew something was wrong with the plane. But I remember that that feeling like the the uh, first like forty five minutes. Anytime there was any turbulence or anything, it was just like, oh man, we're gonna go down. But uh, <laughs> we made it. We made it, and we got to Pittsburgh in like the middle of the night, and and um, you know they rebooked us. I, I got rebooked to to Albany, and the flight left at like seven. Oh. We got in at like two thirty a.m. And I remember going outside to the shuttle to the airport. To the, they put us up in like the, the airport Hilton. And by the time I, I got to get, you know, like we got there, we got in line. And then by the time I got checked into my room, it was like quarter to four, right? Oh my God. <laughs> I got to be back at the airport in like an hour. And I was freezing because it was like minus nine. And man, that was, uh, but. But anyways, that was kind of like the test flight, right? So, so the other you know, today they did like a, a test flight in the first race, and I was actually surprised they ran on the turf today because of that. It's kind of yeah, it's 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 kind of like two winters or two springs ago they had all those problems, and God forbid if something had happened in that race today, and I'm I'm happy it didn't. I'm not believe me, I don't, I don't want anything bad to happen, but. It was kind of risky to do that. I mean, that's that's a risky proposition because if something does happen, and the day before, the word gets out, and and you know the word will get out because those people, the 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 enemies of racing, monitor what goes on in racing. So, um, that it would have gotten out. That that would have been a bad deal. But uh, I mean, whatever's wrong, I hope they get it fixed because I don't think it's rained out there. So I don't really no. know what why the turf would be screwed up, but. You know, it doesn't rain all that much at Goldstream. Bring back the stickers. Mudcocks, even. I was working for Tommy Skiffington. This was uh, this was in the early 90s. Uh, we raced almost everything with an uh, outer sticker, which was basically a, a mudcock, except it'd be one on the outside, or we used uh, outer rim shoes, they're called. But um, those are all, they don't let you use any of those anymore. Everything's flat shoes now. That's all flat shoes. We used to use a whole lot of different shoes. 
block heels, turndowns, uh, mud caulks, stickers, outer stickers. Um, there, there was a lot more variety in, in shoeing. Now it's pretty basic. The only reason I know all that stuff is from the Saratoga scratch board. Yeah, yeah, the Saratoga scratch board. Like 90% of those shoes aren't even allowed anymore. <laughs> That's the only reason I know is because I used to, you know, when I was a kid, I was like, what the hell does all this mean? And I, I looked it up and I figured it out. But yeah, I mean, I, I distinctly remember, you know, they had lights associated with them on that board. It was like a blue light. Yellow light, red light, and then they had the the numbers up to thirteen, I think, and then they had the fourteen was the field. <laughs> Remember those days? <laughs> oh yeah. I, I think it's interesting that that um, only Naira really pays much attention to like aluminum pads. Aluminum pads are are are, are sort of like I mean, and there's a lot of an aluminum pad is is a generic term, but there's a lot of different pads it could be be a spider plate which would kind of have it's hard to explain it it'd be it'd be much easier if i could show it to you but yeah, yeah. um you know there's there's some that are just basically just bar shoes um then there's actual bar shoes and naira is really the only jurisdiction that makes you declare them and, and i think it's important I, I think that uh i think that this should be done in other places and i can't believe that that we've never had a big um push by horse players um or even horsemen to to make that uh make that information available prior to the race because it, it does matter it really does matter it's one of the things that that, that matters and um i mean I, I would really want to know if my horse was or if a horse i was going to bet on or a horse i was looking to claim had had a bar shoe or, or had added a bar shoe or had a you know, some sort of issue with with their foot that um, wasn't readily apparent. But uh, yeah, Naira, Naira does a good job with that. But they're the only ones, and that always kind of struck me as strange, and, and that no one ever and that and and Gulfstream, which uh, an issue that we don't have anymore. But Gulfstream literally had two turf courses, but on the PPs it didn't specify which. which <laughs> yeah, the inner or outer. Right. It, it and no one ever said anything about that. That that always kind of puzzled me and that I, I thought that people would be like you know this should be designated because it, it should be laurel too they do that laurel too where they um, yeah i mean in the chart it says how many feet but that's in the chart not the pps at least on the drf pps or the the brisna pps i, I don't think it shows that at all but no, uh, I, don't, I don't i don't believe it does either i mean I know people are all gung ho about the vet records, but the vet records aren't going to tell you shit. They're just not. They're not. They're not going to tell you anything. It's For nothing. All... You already don't know. It's. It's just. It's just as it's. It's a. It's a massive undertaking, and you're really not going to know anything. It's not going to. It's not going to give you any insight in, into into in, into anything. It's just not. Believe me, things that might be controversial, they're not going to write down anyways. But bar shoe information, that would be and not bar shoe the person. But uh, <laughs> oh no, we don't want not, we don't want that bar shoe. We don't want that. <laughs> we don't want the bar shoe life. <laughs> All right. So let's get that let's get that straight, okay? Yeah, he photobombed my uh my, my winter circle picture. 
Yeah, I saw that. But he's hanging in my office, just so you know. So he's kind of photobombing your office. Yes, I see his his mug standing up above. <laughs> Shoe eats turf. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's funny you talk about that because I can distinctly remember in my head when uh, Marshall Cassidy used to, you know, you know how he used to just like out and out downpour at Saratoga mm-hmm. for no reason, like these horrific thunderstorms out of nowhere. And he would say, you know, whatever horse is running in mud cocks, it's just something that's burned into my brain. And like you said, it seems like, you know, Naira is the only entity I remember ever even commenting on it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I claimed a horse for a guy at Churchill in the fall. A friend of mine wanted me to claim the horse. Well, I claimed I put the claim in for the horse. And um, he comes over and the horse is walking around the uh, paddock. And we had to put the claim in before we really got a good look at the horse and he had a he had like the biggest barsh you ever saw <laughs> and I, I called the guy I was like man I hope we don't get this horse he's got a big barsh well it doesn't say it in the program I said it. they don't do it here man they don't record it and the horse had been running out of town so like we didn't, I didn't even know the horse and and the horse pulled up he, he finished he, he had decent form for like 35 and and he was in for like twelve five right it was it was and it was a little out for two it was like the biggest sucker play and I, like I, it was a terrible claim but um there was like ten claims in for it and I put the claim in um for the guy under my own name and he was like if you you know if you like the horse and just keep it and and you can run it once or twice and, <laughs> and you know I'm like all right no problem so um. So the horse like pulls up. So Bernie Flint says, you know, because we're all there standing, and, and they said to the the, the, the clerk, and how many claims in for that one? Ten. So he says, We should all split. We'll all put up, you know, and it's like, I ain't splitting nothing, Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't getting no money from me out of this horse. I'm rolling my dice, man. I'll roll the dice. It's it's a it's a nine to one shot here, right? But uh I don't remember who got him. didn't get him. My God, that would have been a, I don't know if the horse ever ran again, but he might have had a broken foot or something. But uh, um, yeah, he had a big bar shoe on it. It looked like the thing you ever see. You know when people when you play horseshoes, mm-hmm. those giant like horseshoes, oh, they, they look like one of those, like a Clydesdale shoe. Yeah, it looked like a Clydesdale <laughs> shoe. It's like the horse was handicapped. She got the handicap sticker oh, slap on his saddle. <laughs> He gets the park over here. <laughs> oh man. But um Yeah, it's kind of strange that uh that no one really's you know uh, I mean remember Gamine at Saratoga this year? Oh yeah. That was a thing. <laughs> that was a thing, the the bar shoot. Um I spoke to the the paddock blacksmith who had examined the horse in the morning and he said, Oh the horse sure what's fine. So it's uh you know she'd been running with it and you know in california of course they don't require it either so she had been running with it so uh 
I said to him, I said, do you think they just thought he goes, he goes, nah, Chuck, this thing is, he goes, that, that's, he goes, it's, uh, he goes, for Philly, for Calibre, to, for them to use a used bar shoe, I, I, I don't believe it. He goes, uh, you know, I think she's had this on. And he told me, he said, it doesn't bother at all. So, so, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was an example of a horse that, uh, like, we had no idea. I don't know if she, had, she may have run it. And that's just not something people really generally offer that information. I know people say, well, they should, but you know, sometimes it, it gets where it, it's just a protective thing and the horse is running with it and it doesn't give them problems. And you just say, well, I don't want to change. And it's just not, a, it's just not an issue. So, you know, it might just, might just, uh, it might just not be a thing, but, but by the same token, she also didn't race as good this year and we don't know if she had it last year or not. So, so, you know, so, whatever. <laughs> Dan Ryan did a good piece for uh, the TDN about Heisa and how he asked him a bunch of questions and they basically wouldn't answer any of them, which is great. And uh, the person that's finally in charge of Heisa, uh, the, the lady that had come over from one of the, um, one of the, the, one of the show horse authorities. And I might be butchering. Well, yeah, the question, yeah. Yeah, she she had some, she's a lawyer. She has some experience with other horse racing, or not horse sports. Uh, She just finally, I think today was her first day. (laughs) So. Way to come in. This thing was passed uh, last, uh, you know, over a year ago. And they finally got someone that's in charge of it. And hopefully she can. She can write the ship because it seems to be listing, and then they don't even seem to want to tell anybody anything, and that's troublesome to me because usually organizations like this love to to tout like what they're doing, and and love to say, "Hey, look, we're we're making all this progress, and we're smart, and we're doing this," and not saying anything is is not only is it not transparent, but it, it's it's a little bit scary super scary and and listen nothing is going to get done with them this year nothing they're going to do the safety part like but the safety part is already done um by the ntra and uh the the protocols are are very very similar and yes they've added some some things and none of which you know will be apparent to anybody um from the outside it's all internal stuff that you're not going to notice but uh um, I mean, that that's the one requirement was that they get this thing kicked off in July and that that's the segment that they're going to start with. So I, for the, the rest of it, uh, I mean, I think that it was a huge, huge, huge mistake not to include um, stewards decisions in this. Nationalizing stewards decisions is, is like the biggest no brainer that there is. And. I think we did. We talk about this last week. I, I think that you know we, we should have a central body that that trains and oversees the stewards, and the stewards shouldn't work for the racetrack. They shouldn't work for racetracks. It's, it's just they shouldn't. And uh, there's too many potential conflicts of interests. You, know, you talk about giving jockey days, and now there's this theory that's it's been bandied about, and and it's I've heard it from a couple different sources that tracks are now kind of leaning on stewards not to give days to big famous jockeys because they think it hurts the handle when those guys have days 
which of course is like uh, <laughs> that's super absurd. It's well, it's 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 a super like slap against integrity. I mean, come on. Yeah, especially when you know if they're out there just causing havoc. Yeah, but it's you know. It's 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 a troublesome thing when the people work for the track, and you know they, that's who signs their paychecks. That's who they answer to. They shouldn't. They should answer to a central authority. Of all the things that we need a central authority for, it's stewards' decisions, it's stewards' rulings, and it's stewards. They should be the same across the track, across the board, as much as you can have them the same when you have different. Um, people involved of course everyone has their own way of looking at things but there should be a common rule book there should be a common theme there should be a common way that that well, the stewards are trained and they're taught to, to handle certain situations so that across the board people betting on a race from uh, california to kentucky to new york to louisiana to florida all are watching races that are adjudicated the same because there's no reason not to. There's just no reason not to. There's no reason California has different rules than Kentucky. There's no reason. It's stupid. It makes no sense. It's beneficial to no one. Well, and it would have been easy to do. It would be expensive. But but what isn't expensive? Right. The whole thing is expensive. But no one thought about putting it in their purview at all. Like, just wasn't even on the table, huh? I don't know, Barry. <laughs> no, I know. We don't know how the sausage was made in this thing, but it wasn't made very well. It just wasn't made very well. There's some of the things that got attention. I mean, jockey whips. It, it, that that's a bigger issue than 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 jockeys crashing into people. <laughs> I mean, how is that not all related? How can you say that that if I uh, a jockey striking a horse six times um, needs to be um, or eight times or four times or whatever needs to be standardized, but jockeys can herd using that same stick, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, it's it's like how how is that not all you know included? And you know, I, I guarantee you, most of these people that are involved don't bet. Remember that they went out of their way to make sure that the people had no ties to racing. Therefore, you have a lot of people that don't have any experience in racing and they don't know what the hell they're doing. And most of the people I'm sure that are, are advising them are not people who spend more than, you know, $5 a year uh, wagering. So to them, it's just not a big deal. But it, it seems like a no-brainer. And, and it's not only a no-brainer, but it's something... And this is where they made a mistake. And, and you know, my services are available, and I'm way, 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 way cheaper than another than McKinsey and them people who are going to just rob you, who, who charge you a million bucks to say, "Hey, you know, it'd be better if your race were on TV." <laughs> All right, if, you had, if you had good food, <laughs> maybe people would like your racetrack better. You know, <laughs> but um, this would have been a public relations home run. Because you would have made everyone happy, literally, and you would you would have um, given something tangible. The drug testing is not tangible. Let me just explain this one time to everyone who doesn't seem to get it. 
nobody is going to put cameras in the labs and you're going to see priority here uh, mixing up the beakers and oh positive oh negative oh no people's view of drug testing and drug drugs in this i shouldn't say drug testing but people's view of drugs in horse racing is when trainers win 47 percent and when trainers claim horses and they run off the screen and when certain trainers just and never lose and the horses re-break that's drugs to them that's drugs and you can change you could say whatever you want about the testing and the new this and that and the other thing if those people persist and what evidence is there that that's going to stop? It's never stopped before, no matter what changes that were made, right? True. That's the drug problem, but you guys can't address that unless you address everything else. But the stewards' decisions, if stewards made consistent decisions, you're always going to have some people that are going to disagree with them, right? And, and you know, Oklahoma took uh, adopted the Category 1, the Pat Cummings Category 1. But if you don't have drastically harsher penalties against jockeys, which the jockey club is, or excuse me, the jockeys guild is going to go nuts over. How can you let guys do whatever they want to do essentially to win a race? That's, that's really what you're saying. You can do pretty much whatever you want to do to win a race and we're not going to take you down, but we're going to penalize you um, away from, you know, the, the, that that win well when you start talking big money races how, how much are you going to penalize them guys riding for a half million dollar race you got i read and he can win and he knows like they're not going to dq the horse i mean it's like it's it's like taking the speed limit down on the highway and saying hey you know police yourselves yeah that's not that's not a good thing it, it's got to be a two-pronged approach you have to have a, a higher a more severe more draconian penalty system for the jockeys that make uh and and consistently create issues if you're not going to take them down and i'll be honest i was never a huge fan of giving jocks days in a lot of ways it's vacation time Especially when you have the rules that let them ride in the big races anyways. I mean, oh, no, (laughs) don't ride this maiden 25, but, you know, you're good with the grade one later. I mean, hey, you know, wow, that'll really tell them. (laughs) But I I always was a bigger proponent of fining and then just increasing the fines and have the fines be determined based upon a percentage of the the jocks, you know, weekly or monthly uh, revenue income. Because you can't find a bug boy who just started riding $20,000. Where's he going to get that? So it just was, um, you know, it's an issue. It just is an issue. Absolutely, it's an issue. And it doesn't get better because there's no reason it should get better. Why should it get better? Why? I mean, just from osmosis? (laughs) Those those are my that's my ideas. Actually, that was an idea I stole from last week. So true. I thought personally that instead of saying Doctor Moriarty, I thought you were going to say Professor Frank. 
Shout out to anybody that can tell me who Professor Frank is on Twitter. Professor, the... If you're listening to this. The and one basketball player, the professor. <laughs> he's a doctor. The professor, yeah, he's, a, he's the doctor of handle. This guy, Professor Frank, or, or Dr. Hibbert. You can name, if you know what I'm talking about. Roy Hibbert? You're doing good. <laughs> Remember him? Roy Hibbert? That guy was humongous. Roy he, Hibbert was humongous. Huge. He was like a house. Literally. Can't play anymore. Guys like that, they don't have no place for him anymore. He's like Oliver Miller. All <laughs> over Miller. Guy was huge. I feel like Oliver Miller. <laughs> my wife's worried about your knee. She said, my knee? Yeah. She said you can't keep walking around on that knee. Those are her words. Um, <laughs> well, tell her we'll get one of those. Uh, <laughs> get a knee brace. We'll get one of those wheelchairs and she can push me around. She said she would. All right. She would. Now it's uh seen some dark days lately in racing and it's not cool. <laughs> like the past week and a half. The I mean, racetrack industry program from Arizona. RTIP. Um apparently those a bunch of the kids have been uh traveling all over the place and then seeing farms and trace tracks and that's cool. And they went up and they saw they saw the the Gabe Pruitt show yesterday over at the Pompano. They were they've been all over the place. And you know, I was thinking today, it was like, God, I remember when when I was, you know, in their shoes and I just remember how much hope we all had. Like the game was exciting. so much stronger than it was. I mean, and we had no idea, of course, that it would be like it is now, but there was so much kind of like um and and racetrack program, well, we gotta remember too that it wasn't just thoroughbreds. There was guys that went into harness. There was guys that went into quarter horses. There was guys that went into the dogs. I know a couple of guys went into the dogs. Um, you know, got jobs running dog tracks, uh, in, in Wisconsin and then the Midwest, and I think one of them got a job in Alabama or somewhere. And um, just the, you know how. how enthusiastic people were and i mean you had to be enthusiastic you know the jobs were were hard work and remember we were racing so much more than we do now you know most places raced a lot more than they do now um you know when i went when i the first job i got out of college was the yonkers i was working there when i was still going to college oh, and man. uh it was it was hey. like I mean, yeah, literally every day in the summer. We worked, we, we ran every day, twice on Tuesdays. It was nuts. But um, just the thinking about, and it's a little bit depressing in that I'm happy I didn't run across them. I, 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 you know? Yeah, I'm sure they're happy too. They're probably happy too. No, but it's like, hey, you know, get what you can get. <laughs> Learn a foreign language. <laughs> No, oh, it's it's uh and I think that is something that's really kind of um what's the word? Not the inside racing the people inside, but there's so many disgruntled people 
that are, that have been involved for a long time. And it's harder and harder and harder to get any enthusiasm. And right, you can't really create, you can't really do much without enthusiasm, right? You have to have enthusiasm. You have to be, uh, have some sort of excitement about what you're doing. And in racing, so much of it seems fake and it seems contrived and maybe i know too much in a lot of, in a lot of different areas because i know it's bullshit <laughs> you know well, yeah, i know i know it's fake i know they're lying but it's almost like the business doesn't want to face the reality no even in the face and, and everybody says from the outside well how can they not i mean don't they see this it's like you people are more passionate about this business than a lot of the people that are in it because a lot of people in it are either beaten down or they're people that are just holding on to their jobs. And that always creates a, a toxic atmosphere. And I'm not talking about any particular track. I'm talking about all over the place. I'm talking about other breeds. There's just this, this real um, kind of cloud Mm -hmm. It follows, and and our sport, I get why it is. I mean, you don't have to be a genius to figure it out. And um, yeah, it's nice to see some of the handle numbers moving up. But again, I don't, don't want to get into the, the whole thing. But how how much of it is real? I don't know. How much of it? How long is it going to? How much is sustainable? I don't know. You see, you're betting two billion dollars a month in New York already on sports, <laughs> as expected. Two billion. Two billion. That's ridiculous. That's that's insane. Before the Kentucky Derby's run between New Jersey and New York, they might exceed what thoroughbred racing handles on a yearly basis in two states in in, in five months. It's crazy, right? I that's mean, a, I'll they'll, they'll... To think about it. It's wild, man. That's that's crazy. Well, and, and it might, you know, it might get a little hampered because because the billionaire owners are are groveling about expenses. I thought I saw that today. The George Steinbrenner's kid was was crying about expenses. We have expenses too. Yeah, we feel terrible for you, Hank. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like how out of touch are those guys? They really think that's going to work? The sympathy? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, we're only worth. We're only worth, uh, you know, our franchise is only worth $5.6 billion. You know, Chuck, last year was worth 5.8. I mean, yeah, so there might not be any baseball, but uh, <laughs> it seems crazy because, uh, honestly, the issues that they're arguing over are Very not spiked. issues that should keep the, 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 that should keep, um, the season from being played. It's, it's, just, uh, it's just, it's just stupid, but... Um, Yeah, it's depressing. It's depressing, and it's, uh, you know, even the Derby Trail this year is kind of like, it, it has this baggage attached to it, and all right, we got the Rebel coming up, and it's going to be won by a horse that's probably not going to earn any points, and, you know, which happened two weeks ago, which happened the week before that, which happened the week before that. I mean, you can't get away from it, and and the fact is, like, TVG ignoring that, I mean, that's that to me is... is like not even acknowledging that the horse isn't earning 
points for the Derby. Just like, hey, you know what? Like, you know, there's some controversy and uh, those uh, trainers' horses can't earn points, but uh, hey, it's still a great race and you should still bet on it because that's true. You should, should you know, the, the, the race having uh, Derby points given out or not doesn't affect the pair mutual odds. No, uh, not a, it does not. No, not at all. So, you know. I don't know. I don't know how you feel, but that's just, it just seems like it's harder to get um, or to find things to be enthusiastic about. Well, I think a lot of it is because we've seen better days. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like you were just talking about Yonkers racing every day. I remember it was like agony back in the, basically the whole 90s where, uh, Tuesday, dark day at Saratoga was like agony. It felt like a million years. Yeah. And you and they ran on Monday. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and now we're lucky to get Thursday through Sunday. Very it wasn't that long ago. It wasn't that long ago, I know. But they ran it they ran six days a week all year round. They yeah. ran six days a week at Aqueduct. Yeah. In the winter on the inner track. Six days and filled. I mean that that's probably a little more than you know we can, but I keep seeing people say, "Oh, well, we need less races. Need less races." Mm-mm. Less races isn't helping anyone. You take two circuits and you try to combine them. It doesn't work most of the time. Just doesn't work. You can't combine Golden Gate and Santa Anita. No way. The horses that run at Golden Gate, ninety percent of them have have no chance at Santa Anita. And what are they going to do at Santa Anita? Start running seventy five hundred claimers all the time? Mm, I'm sure it's not out of the realm of possibility. You can't. You can't. You can't <laughs> train seventy five hundred claimers there because it's too expensive. Yeah. You can't. It's too expensive. Especially for people relocating down there. If you've lived in and you've had a house for thirty years, and and your family's had a house or a place to live, and by by Golden Gate, then you know you're all right. But you think you're going to go and move to live in Pasadena? Or, oh, or, yeah, big difference. It's just too expensive to have cheap horses. You, you, you just can't combine them. And that's what people don't understand. It's it's not like, all right, it's Major League Baseball, and we can lop off four teams, and and the best players from those four teams will will net will you know, uh, they'll wander over to other teams. Sure, it's not like that. You have A circuits, you have B circuits, you have C circuits, and there's not a whole lot of cross over because if they could be crossing over, they would have already crossed over. You have a horse at Penn National can win at Belmont. You you you'd be damn sure. They no, run them at Penn National. Why would you run them? You just put them on a van and ship them to Belmont if you can win over there. But most of them there can't win, and that's the that's the thing. It's it's not an equal, um, you know. There, there's not a, a a line through all the horses that you can say. Well, you know, everyone's just a little bell or just a little bit below this. It's it's completely different. It's just not that easy, uh, you know, just like test the drug testing. It's just not that easy. There's so many complications to it. And again, uh, if you haven't figured out that lawyers run this world, 
<laughs> you haven't been paying attention. Everything you do has got to be able to be um, stand up in court, legally sound, because someone's going to test it. Someone's going to test it. So, and then if it if it gets overturned, that's why the whole thing about heist and everybody crying, oh my god, these states and the horsemen are. Blah. Listen, it's better to have all the issues come to light now before we've set up an entire nationwide system. <laughs> Which right. is they work the kinks out. <laughs> yes, like like eliminate a ways to attack it. You know like uh it's like editing you know your editor fix your your your, your mistakes believe me that this thing is going to have a lot of mistakes yeah the, I, I mean it seems like they understand that seems oh that's uh because it 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 can't be you know just turn the light on in in july and everything's going to be okay that's that's impossible well the one thing that really bothers me and it's bothered me for years about this whole the whole talk, and, and, you know, Dan Ross was very pointed in his questioning, and he got, you know, no answer, basically, is the is the financial part, is, is, is how does this get paid for? How does it get paid for? It just seems like it's a, a real leap of faith to believe that this is going to happen. Um easily that there's not going to be a lot of issues in the money side but put it this way there's so many different working parts between all these different states and different breeds and different it just seems you know they're not saying anything but at some point they're going to have to say something they're going to have to show us right they're going to have to at least come up with numbers and to me, that's the scary part. That's the really scary part. Because where does that... If they need $50 million and they only have $24 million worth of funding, where does the rest come from? Where do we get it? How do we get it? It's a good question. And no one wants to... Listen, most people don't... Uh, they don't think about things like these. They're, they're just, you know, they don't pay attention to it. It's boring. I get that. You know, say, hey, what am I worried about? Why, why am I worried about that? But if you're involved in the game in any capacity, whether you're better, whether you're an owner, whether you're a breeder, whether you're a trainer, whether you work at a track, it matters. It matters because what they're going to do, what the, the whatever system they set up monetarily to raise funds, it's going to be like a tax on this business in some way, shape, or form. And I don't know how it's going to work. I just I just have my, you know. We'll see, I guess, right? Right. I guess that's the only way we're going to know is as they say, as the kids say, mess around and find out. Yep. Um what do we have the fountain of youth this weekend? Yes. No. Is that next weekend? Next. I think it's the 5th, right? Yeah, all that. All right, yeah, March. That's next weekend. So we got the Rebel this weekend, the Fountain of Youth next weekend, uh, the, the Gotham. Gotham is the fifth, also. Yeah. That doesn't look like it's. Uh... Tampa Bay Derby the week after that. Yeah. Yeah. 
So the action's heating up. They're heating up. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, appreciate everyone listening as usual. And um, don't get insulted if I say something to you. <laughs> but all your ideas about drug testing, everyone's already thought about this stuff, man. Like, you're, you're just not coming up with anything novel. There's just, there's just so many different variables and it's it's just difficult to do it's just difficult to do so like always we'll uh we'll see what next week brings us that's right we'll see what positive stories we can talk about next week <laughs> all right well again everyone thanks for listening and um we'll uh get at us at uh going in circles podcast at gmail or you can hit Barry up or hit me up uh, on Twitter, Ken and Shell or the, the the Urban Handicapper. Uh, or you can you can even message us on Facebook. Though Facebook is a real mess. Oh my god, doozy. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> horse racing, like horse racing. Twitter can be a little bit uh, off kilter, right? Oof. Horse racing, Facebook. Oh worse. man, it, it, yeah, worse. Yeah, I can believe it's, it's worse. You remember the movie, uh, um, what's that, Escape from New York? <laughs> when they turned New York City into a, a, a penal a colony, right? And they just they gave up. They just put walls around it and said, let everyone learn. That's Facebook, man. Flood <laughs> sport, man. <laughs> they need to just blow that up. They need to nuke Facebook. The horse racing versions of Facebook? Ooh, boy. Oof, those groups are vicious. Oof, Oof man. You talk about people going at each other too, and none of them. And, and the thing is, none of them know anything. I mean, you, you have both sides are like wrong about things, and <laughs> just like attacking each other. It's uh, it's special. Thanks, Zuckerberg, or whatever your name is. Yeah, jerk. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Pleasant Acre Farms is a full-service breeding operation located in Morriston, Florida, just outside of Ocala. If you want to get involved in the breeding business in the Sunshine State, or you're already involved, Pleasant Acre Farms is really the only place you need to know. Joe and Helen Barbazon, who are just great people, do a fantastic job taking care of your mare. Uh, they have a solid roster of 13 stallions with a really diverse group of pedigrees, your mare will find a match at Pleasant Acre Farms. Currently, the star of Pleasant Acre Farms stallion roster is Neolithic, who is by far a runaway winner of the freshman stallion of the year here in the state of Florida. His son, Make It Big, just made it three for three, winning the $400,000 Springboard Mile at Remington Park, earning 10 points towards the Kentucky Derby in the process. Pleasant Acre Farms is your one-stop shop for breeding in the state of Florida. Check them out at www.pleasantacrestallions.com or on Twitter at P-A-S Stallions. You can also give them a call at 352-528-2885. Pleasant Acre Stallions, check them out.
Hey guys, I wanted to talk to you quickly about some of the changes coming to the Going in Circles Digest, which is our sort of weekly newsletter that we've put out that covers a, a wide variety of topics. Uh, just lately, we've added some guest columnists. Sid Fernando wrote a great piece for us a couple weeks back, and Julian Brown has really helped us out with some uh, excellent handicapping uh, articles, and we're going to expand on the handicapping, especially, uh, you know, with Julian's writing, who who used Julian used to write for American Turf Monthly, um, but it's something that uh, we we think people seem to have, be interested in, and certainly any timely topic is, is something that's going to be covered, and uh, we're going to do a lot of uh, our weekly previews, especially for the big days and, and the Triple Crown races. Uh, we also want to put it out there that anyone that has something to say, you can be a guest writer. Just contact me. There's a, a variety of ways going in circles podcast at gmail.com is probably the easiest. And we'll, uh, we'll put you out there. And we're not exactly... Uh, at the distribution point of the New York Times or anything, but we do get a lot of click-ons. And if you have something to say, well, we'll help you say it. All right, guys, if you have any suggestions, anything you want to hear about, anything you want to uh, read about, hit me up, goingincirclespodcast.gmail.com, and uh, check it out, goingincirclesdigest.com. Substack.com. Free subscription. Thanks, guys.